section twenty of english literature by william j long this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter six continued richard hooker fifteen fifty four question mark sixteen hundred in strong contrast with bacon is richard hooker one of the greatest prose writers of the elizabethan age one must read the story of his life an obscure and lowly life animated by a great spirit as told by isaac walton to appreciate the full force of this contrast bacon took all knowledge for his province but mastered no single part of it hooker taking a single theme the law and practice of the english church so handled it that no scholar even of the present day would dream of superseding it or of building upon any other foundation than that which hooker laid down his one great work is the laws of ecclesiastical polity note the first five books were published fifteen ninety four fifteen ninety seven and are as hooker wrote them the last three books published after his death are of doubtful authorship but they are thought to have been completed from hooker's notes End of note a theological and argumentative book but entirely apart from its subject it will be read wherever men desire to hear the power and stateliness of the english language here is a single sentence remarkable not only for its perfect form but also for its expression of the reverence for law which lies at the heart of anglo-saxon civilization of law there can be no less acknowledged than that her seat is the bosom of god her voice the harmony of the world all things in heaven and earth do her homage the very least as feeling her care and the greatest as not exempted from her power both angels and men and creatures of what condition soever though each in different sort and manner yet all with uniform consent admiring her as the mother of their peace and joy sydney and raleigh among the prose writers of this wonderful literary age there are many others that deserve passing notice though they fall far below the standard of bacon and hooker sir philip sidney fifteen fifty four fifteen eighty six who has already been considered as a poet is quite as well known by his prose works arcadia a pastoral romance and the defense of poesy one of our earliest literary essays sidney whom the poet shelley has eulogized represents the whole romantic tendency of his age while sir walter raleigh fifteen fifty two question mark sixteen eighteen represents its adventurous spirit and activity the life of raleigh is an almost incomprehensible mixture of the poet scholar and adventurer now helping the huguenots or the struggling dutch in europe and now leading an expedition into the unmapped wilds of the new world busy here with court intrigues and there with piratical attempts to capture the gold-laden spanish galleons one moment sailing the high seas in utter freedom and the next writing history and poetry to solace his imprisonment such a life in itself is a volume far more interesting than anything that he wrote he is the restless spirit of the elizabethan age personified 
raleigh's chief prose works are the discovery of guiana a work which would certainly have been interesting enough had he told simply what he saw but which was filled with colonization schemes and visions of an el dorado to fill the eyes and ears of the credulous and the history of the world written to occupy his prison hours the history is a wholly untrustworthy account of events from creation to the downfall of the macedonian empire it is interesting chiefly for its style which is simple and dignified and for the flashes of wit and poetry that break into the fantastic combination of miracles traditions hearsay and state records which he called history in the conclusion is the famous apostrophe to death which suggests what raleigh might have done had he lived less strenuously and written more carefully o eloquent just and mighty death whom none could advise thou hast persuaded what none hath dared thou hast done and whom all the world hath flattered thou only hast cast out of the world and despised thou hast drawn together all the star-stretched greatness all the pride cruelty and ambition of man and covered it all over with those two narrow words hic jacet john fox fifteen sixteen fifteen eighty seven fox will be remembered always for his famous book of martyrs a book that our elders gave to us on sundays when we were young thinking it good discipline for us to afflict our souls when we wanted to be roaming the sunlit fields or when in our enforced idleness we would if our own taste in the matter had been consulted have made good shift to be quiet and happy with robinson crusoe so we have a gloomy memory of fox and something of a grievance which prevent a just appreciation of his worth fox had been driven out of england by the marian persecutions and in a wandering but diligent life on the continent he conceived the idea of writing a history of the persecutions of the church from the earliest days to his own the part relating to england and scotland was published in latin in fifteen fifty nine under a title as sonorous and impressive as the roman office for the dead rerum in ecclesia gestarum maximarumque per europam persecutionum commentarii on his return to england fox translated this work calling it the acts and monuments but it soon became known as the book of martyrs and so it will always be called fox's own bitter experience causes him to write with more heat and indignation than his saintly theme would warrant and the holy tone sometimes spoils a narrative that would be impressive in its bare simplicity nevertheless the book has made for itself a secure place in our literature it is strongest in its record of humble men like roland taylor and thomas hawkes whose sublime heroism but for this narrative would have been lost amid the great names and the great events that fill the elizabethan age camden and knox 
two historians william camden and john knox stand out prominently among the numerous historical writers of the age camden's britannia fifteen eighty six is a monumental work which marks the beginning of true antiquarian research in the field of history and his annals of queen elizabeth is worthy of a far higher place than has thus far been given it john knox the reformer in his history of the reformation in scotland has some very vivid portraits of his helpers and enemies the personal and aggressive elements enter too strongly for a work of history but the autobiographical parts show rare literary power his account of his famous interview with mary queen of scots is clear-cut as a cameo and shows the man's extraordinary power better than a whole volume of biography such scenes make one wish that more of his time had been given to literary work rather than to the disputes and troubles of his own scotch kirk hakluyt and purchase two editors of this age have made for themselves an enviable place in our literature they are richard hakluyt fifteen fifty two question mark sixteen sixteen and samuel purchase fifteen seventy five question mark sixteen twenty six hakluyt was a clergyman who in the midst of his little parish set himself to achieve two great patriotic ends to promote the wealth and commerce of his country and to preserve the memory of all his countrymen who added to the glory of the realm by their travels and explorations to further the first object he concerned himself deeply with the commercial interests of the east india company with raleigh's colonizing plans in virginia and with a translation of de soto's travels in america to further the second he made himself familiar with books of voyages in all foreign languages and with the brief reports of explorations of his own countrymen his principal navigations voyages and discoveries of the english nation in three volumes appeared first in fifteen eighty nine and a second edition followed in fifteen ninety eight to sixteen hundred the first volume tells of voyages to the north the second to india and the east the third which is as large as the other two to the new world with the exception of the very first voyage that of king arthur to iceland in five seventeen which is founded on a myth all the voyages are authentic accounts of the explorers themselves and are immensely interesting reading even at the present day no other book of travels has so well expressed the spirit and energy of the english race or better deserves a place in our literature samuel purchase who was also a clergyman continued the work of hakluyt using many of the latter's unpublished manuscripts and condensing the records of numerous other voyages his first famous book purchase his pilgrimage appeared in sixteen thirteen and was followed by hakluytus postumus or purchase his pilgrims in sixteen twenty five 
the very name inclines one to open the book with pleasure and when one follows his inclination which is after all one of the best guides in literature he is rarely disappointed though it falls far below the standard of haklut both in accuracy and literary finish there is still plenty to make one glad that the book was written and that he can now comfortably follow purchase on his pilgrimage thomas north among the translators of the elizabethan age sir thomas north fifteen thirty five question mark sixteen o one question mark is most deserving of notice because of his version of plutarch's lives fifteen seventy nine from which shakespeare took the characters and many of the incidents for three great roman plays thus in north we read caesar also had cassius in great jealousy and suspected him much whereupon he said on a time to his friends what will cassius do think ye i like not his pale looks another time when caesar's friends warned him of antonius and dolabella he answered them again i never reckon of them but these pale-visaged and carrion lean people i fear them most meaning brutus and cassius shakespeare merely touches such a scene with the magic of his genius and his caesar speaks let me have men about me that are fat sleek-headed men and such as sleep o' nights yon cassius hath a lean and hungry look he thinks too much such men are dangerous a careful reading of north's plutarch and then of the famous roman plays shows to how great an extent shakespeare was dependent upon his obscure contemporary north's translation to which we owe so many heroic models in our literature was probably made not from plutarch but from amiot's excellent french translation nevertheless he reproduces the spirit of the original and notwithstanding our modern and more accurate translations he remains the most inspiring interpreter of the great biographer whom emerson calls the historian of heroism summary of the age of elizabeth this period is generally regarded as the greatest in the history of our literature historically we note in this age the tremendous impetus received from the renaissance from the reformation and from the exploration of the new world it was marked by a strong national spirit by patriotism by religious tolerance by social content by intellectual progress and by unbounded enthusiasm such an age of thought feeling and vigorous action finds its best expression in the drama and the wonderful development of the drama culminating in shakespeare is the most significant characteristic of the elizabethan period though the age produced some excellent prose works it is essentially an age of poetry and the poetry is remarkable for its variety its freshness its youthful and romantic feeling both the poetry and the drama were permeated by italian influence which was dominant in english literature from chaucer to the restoration the literature of this age is often called the literature of the renaissance though as we have seen the renaissance itself began much earlier and for a century and a half added very little to our literary possessions 
in our study of this great age we have noted one the non-dramatic poets that is poets who did not write for the stage the center of this group is edmund spencer whose shepherd's calendar fifteen seventy nine marked the appearance of the first national poet since chaucer's death in fourteen hundred his most famous work is the fairy queen associated with spencer are the minor poets thomas sackville michael drayton george chapman and philip sidney chapman is noted for his completion of marlowe's poem hero and leander and for his translation of homer's iliad and odyssey sidney besides his poetry wrote his prose romance arcadia and the defense of poesy one of our earliest critical essays two the rise of the drama in england the miracle plays moralities and interludes our first play ralph royster doister the first true english comedy gammer girton's needle and the first tragedy gorboduc the conflict between classic and native ideals in the english drama three shakespeare's predecessors lily kidd nash peel green marlowe the types of drama with which they experimented the marlowesque one-man type or tragedy of passion the popular chronicle plays the domestic drama the court or lillian comedy romantic comedy and tragedy classical plays and the melodrama marlowe is the greatest of shakespeare's predecessors his four plays are tamburlaine faustus the jew of malta and edward the second four shakespeare his life work and influence five shakespeare's successors ben jonson beaumont and fletcher webster middleton haywood decker and the rapid decline of the drama ben jonson is the greatest of this group his chief comedies are every man in his humor the silent woman and the alchemist his two extant tragedies are sejanus and cataline six the prose writers of whom bacon is the most notable his chief philosophical work is the instauratio magna incomplete which includes the advancement of learning and the novum organum but he is known to literary readers by his famous essays minor prose writers are richard hooker john fox the historians camden and knox the editors hakluyt and purchase who gave us the stirring records of exploration and thomas north the translator of plutarch's lives suggestive questions one what historical conditions help to account for the great literature of the elizabethan age what are the general characteristics of elizabethan literature what type of literature prevailed and why what work seems to you to express most perfectly the elizabethan spirit two tell briefly the story of spencer's life what is the story or argument of the fairy queen what is meant by the spencerian stanza read and comment upon spencer's epithalamian why does the shepherd's calendar mark a literary epoch what are the main qualities of spencer's poetry can you quote or refer to any passages which illustrate these qualities why is he called the poet's poet three for what is sackville noted what is the most significant thing about his gorboduc 
name other minor poets and tell what they wrote four give an outline of the origin and rise of the drama in england what is meant by miracle and mystery plays what purposes did they serve among the common people how did they help the drama what is meant by cycles of miracle plays how did the moralities differ from the miracles what was the chief purpose of the interludes what type of drama did they develop read a typical play like noah's flood or every man and write a brief analysis of it five what were our first plays in the modern sense what influence did the classics exert on the english drama what is meant by the dramatic unities in what important respect did the english differ from the classic drama six name some of shakespeare's predecessors in the drama what types of drama did they develop name some plays of each type are any of these plays still presented on the stage seven what are marlowe's chief plays what is the central motive in each why are they called one-man plays what is meant by marlowe's mighty line what is the story of faustus compare faustus and goethe's faust having in mind the story the dramatic interest and the literary value of each play eight tell briefly the story of shakespeare's life what fact in his life most impressed you how does shakespeare sum up the work of all his predecessors what are the four periods of his work and the chief plays of each where did he find his plots what are his romantic plays his chronicle or historical plays what is the difference between a tragedy and a comedy name some of shakespeare's best tragedies comedies and historical plays which play of shakespeare's seems to you to give the best picture of human life why is he called the myriad-minded shakespeare for what reasons is he considered the greatest of writers can you explain why shakespeare's plays are still acted while other plays of his age are rarely seen if you have seen any of shakespeare's plays on the stage how do they compare in interest with a modern play nine what are ben jonson's chief plays in what important respects did they differ from those of shakespeare tell the story of the alchemist or the silent woman name other contemporaries and successors of shakespeare give some reasons for the preeminence of the elizabethan drama what causes led to its decline ten tell briefly the story of bacon's life what is his chief literary work his chief educational work why is he called a pioneer of modern science can you explain what is meant by the inductive method of learning what subjects are considered in bacon's essays what is the central idea of the essay you like best what are the literary qualities of these essays do they appeal to the intellect or the emotions what is meant by the word essay and how does bacon illustrate the definition make a comparison between bacon's essays and those of some more recent writer such as addison lamb carlyle emerson or stevenson having in mind the subjects style and interest of both essayists eleven 
who are the minor prose writers of the elizabethan age what did they write comment upon any work of theirs which you have read what is the literary value of north's plutarch what is the chief defect in elizabethan prose as a whole what is meant by euphuism explain why elizabethan poetry is superior to the prose chronology last half of the sixteenth and first half of the seventeenth centuries history fifteen fifty eight elizabeth death sixteen o three fifteen seventy one rise of english puritans fifteen seventy seven drake's voyage around the world fifteen eighty eight defeat of the armada sixteen o three james the first death sixteen twenty five sixteen o four divine right of kings proclaimed sixteen o seven settlement at jamestown virginia sixteen twenty pilgrim fathers at plymouth sixteen twenty five charles the first literature fifteen fifty nine john knox in edinburgh fifteen sixty two question mark gammer girton's needle gorboduc fifteen sixty four birth of shakespeare fifteen seventy six first theatre fifteen seventy nine spencer's shepherd's calendar lilly's euphuis north's plutarch fifteen eighty seven shakespeare in london marlowe's tamburlaine fifteen ninety spencer's fairy queen sydney's arcadia fifteen ninety to fifteen ninety five shakespeare's early plays fifteen ninety seven to sixteen twenty five bacon's essays fifteen ninety eight to sixteen fourteen chapman's homer fifteen ninety eight ben jonson's every man in his humor sixteen hundred to sixteen o seven shakespeare's tragedies sixteen o five bacon's advancement of learning sixteen o eight birth of milton sixteen eleven translation king james version of bible sixteen fourteen raleigh's history sixteen sixteen death of shakespeare sixteen twenty sixteen forty two shakespeare's successors end of drama sixteen twenty bacon's novum organum sixteen twenty two first regular newspaper the weekly news sixteen twenty six death of bacon end of section twenty end of chapter six